What is up everyone, Quinn here, and in today's video, I'm gonna be jumping into my first set of post-NFL draft redraft rankings. So today I'm gonna be running through my top 12 running backs, splitting these guys up into different tiers, and honestly, I feel like the running back position is really, really tough to kind of navigate this season. There's especially one tier, I think, when we're getting into like the mid-tier running back ones, where it's honestly just stacked. I feel like a lot of these guys at their ADP are going to be really strong values. I think wide receivers are getting pushed up the board. Quarterbacks are getting pushed up the board after some high-end QB1 seasons. So I think a lot of these running backs are going to be solid values. And this is still kind of early on in the fantasy offseason. So I want to know what you guys think about these rankings. Who's too high? Who's too low? You know, yell at me down below in the comment section. Let me know why, and I will make sure to get back to you. But let's jump right into it. And going to start off with my running back one and my only tier one running back. This is where I have a Christian McCaffrey. At this point, it looks like he is the uh, consensus kind of running back one. He put all the injury-prone narratives to rest after he logged that full 17-game season last year. He was the running back two in points per game over the entire season. And then if you look at his time with the 49ers after he was traded, I removed the uh, Thursday night football game just because that was like a couple days um, after he was traded. He had the playbook for like a day or two and then played a super, super limited role. So not really uh, realistic to what his normal workload would be. If we take out that Thursday night game, in 10 games, he averaged 23 PPR points per game. Now you have Kyle Shanahan with a full offseason to kind of scheme CMC up, draw up some plays for him get him fully involved in that offense. I would not be surprised if he repeats that 23 point per game number or honestly even tops it. This is a guy who averaged 29 points per game over a full season. So we know the ceiling is crazy for McCaffrey. I think he's a perfect fit in this offense. And that's why I have him as my running back one. Now shifting into tier two, my running back two, I'm going to have Bijan Robinson. This may seem like a high ranking for some, and especially for a rookie, but I really think Bijan does kind of deserve it here. He's the best running back prospect we've seen since Saquon Barkley. He goes at pick eight in the NFL draft, which is wild. And he's stepping into an offense that has shown us they want to run the ball. They led the league in rush attempts per game last year at 32.9. Bijan Robinson, also a very strong pass catcher. And I think he's going to be the guy here on third downs for the Falcons. I feel like there are going to be some people out there that are somehow concerned about Tyler Algier stealing work. I understand he was solid as a rookie. He had a nice season, but it clearly wasn't impressive enough for the Falcons to not go out and spend elite, elite draft capital on this top running back. Obviously, Bijan Robinson isn't going to carry the ball 30 times a game, so Algier is going to be in there on some plays. But I think the valuable touches, the red zone work, the goal line, the receiving work, I think that's all going to be going to Bijan Robinson. And I think he's going to have a very, very high ceiling, you know, from day one, year one here with the Falcons. Now, staying in tier two, my running back three, I have Jonathan Taylor, and he was most people's running back ones heading into uh, last season. Ended up being just a very disappointing season overall. Dealt with injuries when he did play, he didn't really have that crazy high ceiling. The Colts offense, the offensive line, it was just a mess kind of all the way around. But with Jonathan Taylor heading into this season healthy, this offense, offensive line bound to improve on the uh, 2022 season. I honestly think he's lined up pretty perfectly here for a very, very solid bounce back. We know he's going to have a super solid, very efficient workload on the ground. And he's not going to be a guy who's given you like that CMC Eckler level ceiling at the running back position, but he can still give you something in the receiving department. And I think he probably hasn't seen his ceiling there you know, like yet in his NFL career. 
I also think this is a fair ranking regardless of who's at quarterback, whether it's Minshew or Richardson. If it's Minshew at quarterback, I think we're going to see JT pretty much get all the goal line work. If it's Richardson, he may vulture some of those touchdowns, but I think JT's other carries are going to be so efficient that it's kind of just going to make up for it. So regardless of quarterback, I like JT here as my running back three. Now my running back four, I feel like uh, people are probably going to have Austin Eckler a little bit higher than me. I could see a lot of people having him up at uh, running back two. For me, I honestly have some concerns about his receiving usage, which may seem surprising because that kind of seems like, you know, that's his thing. That's where he gets a lot of his upside. And that has been true. And that was true in 2022. We saw the Chargers just completely spam Austin Eckler with targets, led the NFL with both uh, 128 targets and 107 receptions. But I think a lot of that was due to injuries to both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Those dudes were banged up, you know, throughout the entire season. And I know it's a small sample size here, but there were four games where both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams played over 50% of the snaps. In those games, Eckler only had a 12.5% target share. You're now adding Quinton Johnston as another weapon. So you could have made the argument like, all right, Keenan Allen's getting older. Mike Williams, maybe he doesn't always miss a ton of games, but it seems like he's always kind of like in and out of games. It seems like every time he goes up for the ball, he comes down hurt. But now you're bringing in another weapon here who is going to be very involved in this offense. So I still think Eckler is going to be involved as a pass catcher. We know that's his strong suit, but I don't think he's going to have the crazy amount of uh, targets per game we saw last year. And so if he doesn't have that, there's some contract stuff going on. Does he get a ton of the goal line work. There were sections last year where he wasn't getting those opportunities. I would just be a little worried here if I was trying to spend early first round, mid first round pick on an Austin Eckler. I do think there are some routes for him to end up kind of being disappointing here, but I want to know what you guys think. Are we worried about the uh, targets coming down? I think they're like guaranteed to come down, but I guess the question is like, do they come down a significant amount or is he still going to be a guy who can give you, you know, 20 points per game in this offense? Let me know what you guys think. But then my final tier two running back is going to be Saquon Barkley. He's my running back five, finished as the running back five last season in points per game. And I do think there's room for him to improve on his uh, 17.8 point per game season last year. He had the third highest opportunity share at the running back position. So the workload is going to be solid. In 16 games, he scored 10 touchdowns. I think that number could go up in a spike season. Also, I think the Giants upgrading their weapons could take some pressure off of Saquon, especially as a pass catcher, honestly. He was kind of uncharacteristically very inefficient as a receiver, 22nd in yards per route run for uh, running backs, and then 28th in yards per reception. I think a lot of that could be, uh, you know, defense is just kind of keying in on him as they're throwing out a ton of no-name wide receivers. So I think some of the additions they made this offseason could help Saquon in that department. Now, shifting into tier three, I feel like this is where the rankings really kind of got tough here. And I feel like this is where some people may kind of uh, start to disagree with these. Starting off at running back six, I have Brees Hall leading tier three. And I feel like pretty much everyone's evaluation of Brees Hall is just going to come down to how optimistic they are of his health and just recovery from that ACL tear. Because I feel like everyone can pretty much agree that a fully healthy Brees Hall could probably be argued as high as running back two. Maybe you could honestly even argue him up there with Christian McCaffrey if we did get to see that like full elite season out of him last year. But looking at his uh, ACL recovery here, we have only heard optimistic reports. It seems like everything, at least that I've seen, has him pretty much ready to go by week one. Obviously, there could be some sort of setback, but right now things are looking good. 
And if Brees Hall right now is lined up to be ready week one, I think we could be expecting, you know, limited production, maybe the first quarter of the season. But after that, at running back six or probably later on in your actual redraft uh, drafts, you could be getting someone for the back three quarters of the season who's challenging to be the running back one overall. So as long as we keep hearing positive reports, I would expect Brees Hall to kind of maintain this ranking. Also, if we're looking at someone to kind of, you know, be that guy to return super successfully in year one, let it be the super young, crazy athletic running back. I feel like people are so easy to just throw out like the, you don't want him in the first year, you want him in the second year. I feel like I've seen Saquon thrown out as like, oh, look, he kind of busted. If we actually look back at Saquon's first year coming off that ACL, he had two slow games to start, which can be expected. Then he ended up having a big week three and a big week four. And then he ended up getting a freak ankle injury where he like stepped on a dude's foot after a play, which I mean happens, you know, just kind of randomly. So I do think Brees Hall can be a big time asset in his first year off of this ACL tear. And that's why I have him here as my running back six. Now my running back seven, I have Josh Jacobs and I'm feeling really solid about Josh Jacobs heading into 2023. Last year, he saw a massive uptick in his workload, 20 carries per game, 3.8 targets per game, had the highest opportunity share in the NFL, averaged 19.3 points per game. Now we could be asking the question, like, was this a one-off season? It's possible. I'm leaning more towards the uh, no side, honestly, because this is the same coaching staff who gave Josh Jacobs that huge workload. And the Raiders pretty much did nothing to bring in like legit new competition for him. I think in this workload, if he has a boom touchdown season, with that workload, I mean, he could be a guy who's rivaling for the running back one overall spot. So I do like the upside here with Josh Jacobs. And if you're running back that workload also, like he is going to be very solid consistently. He doesn't need the touchdowns. The touchdowns would just give him that crazy, you know, overall ceiling. Now my running back eight is going to be Tony Pollard. And I think he's a super interesting guy to look at here. So far this off season, he's been able to hold off really any legit running back competition in his backfield. I still think it's possible the Cowboys bring in a veteran, but right now, you know, Pollard's looking good at this point. And even with competition, I mean, Pollard showed last year was the running back nine in points per game, despite having a sub 50% opportunity share. We saw Ezekiel Elliott taking a lot of those opportunities. He just seems kind of like a tough dude to evaluate because I don't know if I want to push him over Josh Jacobs or Brees Hall, but the fact that he was so solid last year in a limited workload and now could see a decent bump in that area. Like if you had him up ahead of Jacobs or ahead of Brees Hall, I really wouldn't be able to push back. It seems like every running back at this point in the rankings feels like a really, really strong value. And I think that continues into my next running back here because at RB9, I have Derrick Henry and this does feel low for him. I feel like a lot of people are not going to like this. And like, to be totally honest, I am not out on Derrick Henry at all. It may seem like it since I have him as my RB9, but he's going off the board as an early third round pick on underdog. I will be smashing that ADP like every day of the week. I think that's great value for Derrick Henry. Like I said, every running back in this tier kind of feels like a value and I feel like they could really be swapped around. Every year it seems like people think uh, Derrick Henry is gonna break down and he just doesn't because the dude's like a superhuman. He was the running back four in points per game last year. And so you may be wondering like, how has he fallen down to RB9 after that solid season? I think it's a mix of just like elite upside that some of these other guys have. Um, And then also the potential for regression, not saying it's going to happen, but we can't ignore the potential is there. We know guys like Christian McCaffrey, 
Eckler, Saquon. These guys do have the elite ceilings. We've seen it. JT has been the RB1 overall. Now, he didn't hit that crazy, like, 23, 24 point per game season, but still he has that upside. But I think Derrick Henry's kind of in the mix there. Also, I would just rather go after the uh, kind of younger guy in that spot. I think Bijan can have that ceiling with his potential workload. And then I also kind of laid out the path for Jacobs, Hall, Pollard. Like I think all those dudes are in the mix also. So the fact that you also kind of include the potential regression here, like if Derrick Henry falls off a cliff, I don't think it's going to happen like super slowly, you know, I feel like it's just going to hit. And so if maybe Henry stays healthy, he's locked into that workload. He's the exact same guy. He finishes as the RB4, RB5. I'm fine kind of missing out on that in favor of some of these younger running backs, which is kind of just something I've accepted. Like if you in your mind truly believe he is not going to fall off, you don't even think it's possible then sure. I mean, go ahead, draft him over some of these other dudes. Like I'm not going to push back. Like I said, they're all in the same tier. Um, But for me, that's why he slots in here as my running back nine. And then my running back 10, I have uh, Nick Chubb also in tier three. And I'm probably also going to be lower on Nick Chubb than consensus. And honestly, Nick Chubb is someone who I've kind of faded over the past few years. Like I've specifically avoided him because I think people draft him because, oh, he's safe. He's this very, you know, consistent asset at the running back position. And in general, I think safety at the running back position is kind of fake. And I think it's just overrated because of the injury risk, right? Running backs are, you know, so commonly susceptible to injuries more than any other position. So the floor of a guy isn't really real because the floor is pretty much nothing. Like the floor is you being injured and not playing. And so I don't really want to go after a guy who's safe and could get injured. I want to shoot for that upside. Even if we look back to last year, like Christian McCaffrey was my running back one. Everyone was concerned about the injuries. Oh, he's too risky. But if he hits, he gives you that elite upside. You know what everyone was saying about the safety of Jonathan Taylor? He's so safe. He's not safe because running backs can get injured and that's the floor, right? So that was my argument in previous years for kind of fading Nick Chubb. I didn't like the safety argument. I want that guy who has the upside. This year, I honestly think it kind of changes because I think his upside could actually be there. With Kareem Hunt gone, I mean, Chubb has like zero competition behind him. We know he's going to be a monster on the ground. Like, I would always say this. For fantasy, I don't like him. Real life NFL, he's probably the best pure runner there is in the NFL. You know, there could be some other guys in that conversation, but he's totally up there. But could we honestly be looking at an uh, increased pass catching role for Nick Chubb? He's never been targeted 50 times in a season, but that feels kind of possible this year. Now, I don't really like to bet on a guy who hasn't done it throughout his career, right? Like we're, what are we, four or five years into Nick Chubb's career and he hasn't done it. So am I expecting it? No, but I think usage as a pass catcher could give him that high end RB1 upside. And that's something, uh, you know, to kind of navigate throughout the rest of the offseason. Do they bring in competition? Are they talking about using him as a pass catcher? Because then he becomes very interesting and could kind of move up here. Because then he wouldn't just be a safety option. He would be someone who could rival these top guys at the position. Now, my final tier, tier four, my running back 11 is going to be Jameer Gibbs. And I couldn't really fit him any higher than RB11. But I do think wherever he's going in drafts, I think he's going to outperform that ADP. I think in casual leagues, he's probably going to be going much later than you see in more competitive formats. So I think even in competitive formats, he's probably going to have a nice ADP. Casual leagues, I really feel like he's going to be a uh, smash draft. 
I've talked about how much I like Jameer Gibbs as a player and like a dynasty asset in a bunch of other videos. So I don't really want to, you know, hammer in on the long-term stuff, but looking specifically at this season, I really just don't see why he's not going to be involved from day one. I'm pretty much confident in like two things with this backfield. The first one is going to be that I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be very, very involved as a pass catcher. I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he led this entire 2022 or sorry, 2023 draft class and targets, like including the wide receivers. I think he could out-target JSN, Quinton Johnston, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers. Like I think he truly could do that. The second thing about this backfield is that I do expect David Montgomery to take the goal line work, just like we saw Jamal Williams do last year. So I'm not someone who's holding out hope for like Jameer Gibbs goal line opportunities, because if Jameer Gibbs is getting goal line opportunities, he could challenge Christian McCaffrey. Like I truly do believe that. I think there's going to be a solid carry split between these two backs. I think Montgomery may even take the larger side of that split. But I'm kind of expecting Jameer Gibbs to have a uh, Elvin Kamara-esque rookie season. We look back at Kamara's rookie year, he averaged 19.6 PPR points per game and only carried the ball seven and a half times a game. So he was super involved as a pass catcher. He did have some touchdown, I guess, kind of luck. I think he scored like 13 and 16 games. I don't think Gibbs is going to have that level of touchdown production, but I think the workload's going to be similar. And I do think he's going to average more than seven and a half carries per game. So it is possible to not have this super traditional like workhorse workload and still be very, very strong for fantasy. I think Jameer Gibbs can get that done. And that's why I have him at RB11. And then to wrap up these rankings, my running back 12, I have Ramondre Stevenson, and he's kind of lined up right now to have a monster workload. Damian Harris is gone. The Patriots only added James Robinson and like post Achilles tear James Robinson. I really have no confidence in him stepping in and taking any of Ramondre's opportunities. I think he honestly could be a uh, cut candidate for them. We already saw Ramondre used very heavily as a pass catcher last season. He was third in the NFL in targets for running backs and he averaged 12.4 carries per game. It seems almost impossible that he doesn't improve on that number here in 2023. I understand there's always going to be some concern with how Bill Belichick uses his running backs because it's like one fumble and Ramondre Stevenson's going to be like RB4 on the depth chart. But there is a very, very realistic path to Ramondre ending up being a steal at this price. Like if you're drafting him as the RB12 and he's this super involved pass catcher averaging 15, 16 carries per game for the Patriots, getting the valuable opportunities, like you're going to look back and he is going to just be a great, great value for you here. But, you know, there is a little bit of the downside, but I do think the ceiling is there for Ramondre. But that is going to wrap it up for my top 12 running backs. Let me know who's too high, who's too low. Yell at me about uh, Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry down below in the comments. But I do truly want to hear your guys' thoughts. I'm going to be putting out my uh, wide receivers tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. Thank you all for stopping by, and I will see you in the next one.